I I wonder how often he hears that. I think most of the time he hears long lists of problems. So we're talking about how to come into the presence of God and have a genuine, real relationship with him. And this morning's sermon is um, desperately practical. It's not flashy. It's not deep. Um, It's not particularly intellectually interesting. Um, It's uh, shredded wheat. Dry, but nourishing. Okay? I like flashy sermons, so do you, but today is just shredded wheat. But let me tell you something. Here's the deal. When you hear some shredded wheat sermon, you can sit there and say, huh, that was pretty simple. Wasn't much to that. But here's the question. Are you doing it? Really, seriously. It's not about what we know, it's what we do. You won't be judged for what you know. You'll be judged for how you lived. So, yeah, this might be shredded wheat, but hey, we need it. And the real question is, are we doing it? So these are the five P's of prayer. Guys, it's like painfully practical. This is the most painfully practical sermon you've ever heard. See if you can guess the first P. You're going to have a prayer time with God. What's the first thing you need to figure out? And it starts with P. Some of you people cheated. You've heard this before. Or you're prophetic and you're reading my notes. The first P of prayer is place. I know it sounds mundane, but let's look at this verse. This is Jesus speaking. Therefore, it's the red version. Muy importante. That's, that's Spanish, by the way. <laughs> and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues where everyone will see them and they will get attention and people will say how great the prayer was and it's all superficial and it's all on the surface and it's all for people and it means nothing. But I tell you the truth, they got what they wanted in full because what they wanted was from men, not from God. They got it in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When Jesus used the word room, what he's stressing here. What he is stressing here is the secretness of our prayer. That room, uh, that word room um, in the uh, Greek refers to a secret chamber of a Mideastern house, Middle Eastern house, which was devoted to solitude and devoted to prayer. So it's a special place that they uh, assigned as this is a secret place. And the whole point of this is that the secretness of the place reflects What's going to take place in our prayer? This idea of a secret place to be alone captures not only the setting of this type of prayer, but the very spirit of it. Why does it matter? Look, we're physical beings, we're emotional beings, we're intellectual beings, and we're spiritual beings. Just like physical stillness begins to usher you into a state of mental stillness, which will begin to usher you into a state of spiritual stillness. So having a place to pray is a symbolic or a physical acting out of the secretness and the intimacy of what's going to take place between you and the Lord. So what's important about this? First, you need to find a place where you can be completely alone. This place should have no or few distractions. 
That's not easy in today's world while you're getting the children ready to go to school and the husband's complaining about the lunch you didn't make for him. The da 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 da. Life is full of stress. How are you going to pull this off? Principle number one, it's really practical. Tell your family what you're doing. Let them in on what you're doing. I'm going to have my prayer time. I'm going to go to the bathroom and lock the door. I'm not mad at you and I'm not sick. I just need a place to be alone with the Lord. Let them know what you're going to do and why. Sometimes you may have to leave the house. Stopping somewhere on the way to work. Instead of going to Starbucks. Oh, I use the word instead of and Starbucks in the same sentence. I can feel the ire rising. Look, or maybe go to Starbucks, get your coffee and then go out and sit in the car. And spend 20 minutes. What's so funny? <laughs> You're loving this. Get the Starbucks. Go sit and be still with God. Look, after you drink the coffee, you can't be still with God. You know what I'm saying? You're just going to sit there and vibrate. If you have to get the Starbucks coffee, coffee stop somewhere on the way to work. Uh, one, one friend here in the church had a real challenge with having a quiet time. We talked about this a couple of years ago. And I said, well, what do you do for lunch? And he said, read the paper. He's dead in his tree. He's dead, right? You busted. Yeah, I sit and read the paper for half an hour over lunch. Well, how about you go out to your truck and you take your Bible and you just spend some time reading and praying and being still in your truck. And he established that as a habit and it works for him. However you do it, find a place with few distractions that is secret for you. And what this will do, using the same place over and over again in your prayer, will establish a habit. And the strength of that habit will begin to actually discipline your mind and body into sitting and being still with the Lord. I pray in the same place every day, have done so for years. As soon as I sit down in that place and begin to compose myself, I feel a peace beginning to descend on me. Part of that is psychological because I've established a spiritual habit. Part of it is spiritual in that God honors my habit and my commitment and says, you're going to meet me there. I'm going to meet you there. In fact, I was here before you entered the room. I've been waiting for you. And as you walk in, you walk into my presence and you can feel the peace. I'm going to tell you this story. I've got time. Uh, Years ago, I established this prayer life and I had the back room of my apartment, which was a small room dedicated to television and entertainment. So I chose that as my place of prayer. That's very appropriate. So I didn't tell anybody I was doing it, but for months and months and months, every morning I would go there before I went to work and I would spend about an hour back there in the back room. And I had friends over and they were Christians and we were in the kitchen and she said, where's that book? You had a book you were going to lend me. And I said, well, it's in the back room on a shelf by the such and such. And she went back to get this book and she got the book and she brought it back. And she'd only been a Christian a short time at this point. And she walked into the kitchen and she said, there's something really different about your back room. Really? And I, I said, what? And she said, well, as soon as I walked into it, I just felt this overwhelming peace. She said, what do you think that is? And I thought about it. <laughs> well, that's my place where I pray. I have consecrated it by habit into a place of interaction and meeting with God. And he abides and waits for me there. Isn't that the coolest? Really? So habit of place begins to prepare you for interaction 
with him. Okay, this is really, really mundane. But the second P of prayer, once you have a place and you come into that place, what might now be important? You're not going to get this. It's too, it's too simple. It's like it's misleading. You'd never think of it. No, not praise. That comes later. Yeah, this is so cheesy. I'm doing this to you. I can't believe it. Forget it. It's posture. Now, I know you never would have thought of this, but listen, it's really important that you be comfortable. It's really important that you're not physically distracted. Any physical distraction is going to move your your mind and your body away from God onto what that distraction is. So get yourself comfortable. Now, for some of you, that might be a chaise lounger. For some others, it's a chair. It might be lying down. But I tell you this about lying down. Unless you have picked up your Starbucks first, lying down will lead to the state we call sleep, which is good for you, but it's not spiritual. Okay, so if you're going to lie down, be really careful. You don't fall asleep every single time you come to pray because then it's not prayer anymore. But here's the thing about posture. A comfortable, still posture begins to quiet your body as you're quieting your mind, as you're quieting your spirit. So it's all part of that. But. You may choose as you pray to change your posture from time to time. Let me tell you why. You begin to pray, you begin to become conscious of God's presence and you're sitting there and something powerful begins to happen in your heart. It can be, oh, there's a whole variety of things. But I can think of one time I'm praying in the back room. This is up in Canada in my comfortable chaise lounger and I, I, I guess it's a gift of God, but I just became aware all of a sudden of his majesty. Like, like I was in heaven watching him. I've, I've only had this experience a couple times, but it was really something. Sitting there in my chaise lounger, all about my comfort, was no longer spiritually appropriate. What was appropriate was bowing down on the floor, getting in front of him. That was acting out in the physical what my heart was perceiving and experiencing spiritually. That is integrity when you bring all of you into the act of worship. So there'll be times when changing your posture is a really good thing. Like, for instance, you're starting to fall asleep. What might be a good idea? Get up and walk around. Go for a walk. Change what you're doing. Act out in the physical what's going on in the spiritual. Okay, now we're getting down to something that I think is closer to what this whole thing is about. Third P. See if you can get this. We've got a... Oh, never mind. I think you got it. (laughs) Presence. As we decrease our activity physically, mentally and spiritually, we do this until we are resting quietly in Him. Progressively, we become less conscious of our lives, worries, cares, and more conscious of His abiding presence. The whole point of this kind of prayer is this. Becoming conscious of his presence there with you in that moment. And I I know this is belaboring a point, but it's not to get a job done. It's not to accomplish something great. It's not for your resume. It's just to be with him. The whole point of prayer is is just to be with Him, even if nothing is happening except that you're conscious of His presence. 
this part of prayer is hardest for us because it's most alien to our culture and it's most alien to our assumptions about worth. We think we're worth something to God when we're producing something for him. Right? So there's nothing more wasteful than sitting there doing nothing, just being conscious of his presence. But his deepest desire... Listen to me, you guys. Listen, this is important. God's deepest desire for you is not to use you. You will not be fulfilled if he doesn't use you. You will not experience the significance he has for you if he does not use you. You will be disobedient if he does not use you. Because those are all his intents. But his first purpose for you is not to use you. Oh, what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we are called His children. And that's who you are. That was a direct quote. Oh, what ridiculous, unmeasurable, crazy love. Crazy love. The Father has poured out on His kids that we, that you, are called his child. He longs for intimacy with you more than you long for intimacy with him. Everything you can do for him, listen, everything you can do for him, he can do like this. He just wills it and it's done. The one thing he can't will is having you voluntarily come to him in love. Crawl up into his lap and be his child. He cannot extort it. He cannot force it. He cannot make it happen. He waits for you. He waits for you. And he longs to be with you like that. That's the purpose of his prayer. That's what happens when you begin to experience his presence. He comes as a loving father. And he adores you and he wants to touch you. Hey, parents, come on. When you're holding your baby, can you keep your hands off of her? Can you stop from stroking her and kissing her and smelling the freshness of her head? Can you stop yourself from loving your child? Isn't it your deepest desire? You think he feels any different? That's what this prayer is all about. But, sadly, every time we come to do it, to get still and be in his presence, what always happens? You tell me. What always happens? You try to get still. You've got a place. You've got a posture. You sit down. You compose yourself. You're ready to be loved like a chubby little baby. <laughs> Have him kiss and smell your hair well, when you had it, figuratively speaking. You're ready for all of this. And what always happens? Distractions, mental thoughts, all sorts of stuff just pops up. It's at this point in your life that Satan becomes your executive secretary. He's so helpful at these times. He has the list. He has your day timer and he opens it and he shows you your appointments and he shows you all the problems that you need that you really should be praying about. Like take your attention off being with God for a minute and let's pray about the day. Isn't he helpful? 
busy, busy, busy. Before you know it, you're not thinking about God anymore. You're thinking about your problems. You're thinking about the day. You're thinking about what you've got to do. It's all good, but it's not the best. Do you understand? It's good to pray about those things, but it's not the best. Oswald Chambers once said, the greatest enemy of the best is the good. Because you'll always take the good before you wait for the best. Because the good is good. So it distracts you, you get caught up in the good, and you lose the best. And that's what Satan wants for you right now in your prayer time at this moment. Don't get intimate with God. Start thinking about your life. Start thinking about your job. Start thinking about your problems. Or be generous and magnanimous. Think about other people's lives and their problems. But by God, whatever you do, don't get close to the Lord. That'll ruin everything. Well, in his world, in Satan's world, it does ruin everything when we get close to God. So you've got distractions. How do you deal with them? How do we rid ourselves of distractions to be with Jesus? Number one, don't war with them. Don't turn it into a mental battle. As these distractions come, acknowledge them and let them go. This is the practice I've developed and it's helpful. I sit down to be with the Lord in stillness. He begins to manifest his presence. I start to get close to him. Everything's going great. And up pops the list of things to do and the problems and the important phone calls I should have made before my prayer time. Da 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 da. And what I do is I say, I tell the truth. I say, that's important, but not now. That's important, but not now. And then I pray to the Lord and I say, Lord, if that's as important as I'm thinking it is, I'm going to trust you to remind me later. Because you're a better executive secretary than the devil. And it wasn't your idea to bring it up now. So I'm going to trust you to remind me for later. And you know what? He always does. That's important, but it's not important now. You remind yourself of your purpose. I am here just to be with God. It's not about a task. Remind yourself of the purpose. Acknowledge the thought. And then just dismiss it. And number two... Be still and relax. Just come back to being still and relax in his presence. Number three, best way to deal with distractions. It's a way to refocus on the presence of Jesus. Acknowledge the presence of Jesus right now. Sounds really simple. Sounds maybe too simple. Here's the question I ask him when I get distracted. Which is all the time. And I've been doing this for a long time. I remind myself of what I'm here for. I'm here to be with God. Not all these other things. So I say to myself, you're here right now. Lord, you're here right now. I remind myself, you're here right now. How are you here for me right now? How are you expressing your presence personally to me right now. Close your eyes. I'm going to demonstrate this to you. Just be still. Be relaxed. God is here right now. No, really, he's here right now. Really, he's in this room right now. He is here for you right now. He's here in this room with you. 
right now. He's right beside you right now. How is he here? How are you sensing his presence right now? How is he here for you right now? Take note. He's here. How is he here for you right now? Ask him, Father, how are you here for me right now? Okay, open your eyes. Reality check. In that minute and a half, how many of you, by show of hands, became more conscious of his presence and sensed his presence here for you in some way? Raise your hands. That's a lot. Okay. We have a few moments. How was he here for you? Call out nice and loud so everyone can. How, how did you experience his presence in that moment? Hmm? That's, that's cool. In your breathing, you sensed him. You said peace. How many said, how many, how many felt an increase of peace? That's really, that's the one I seem to get almost all the time. What else? How else did you sense his presence? Hmm? I missed that. That's cool. What else? Fullness? You saw him washing your feet. Two people saw him washing your feet. You could feel the oh, That's awesome. That is so cool. What else? Anybody else? How did you experience him? You were holding hands. That's wonderful. What else? He said, I love you. He was carrying you. He was carrying you. This is... You were wrapped in his arms. Did anyone get, I'm here for you in the people around you? Somebody got that? Cool. Several people got that. Guys, that little thing, that took a minute and a half. And quite honestly, for many of us, that was a genuine encounter with God. He spoke. He did something. He made himself real to you. He deepened his presence in you and for you. Kathy. Right on. Right on. So let me ask you a question. What would about two or three minutes, I'm being realistic here, out of the entire time you spend praying, I, this is, I remember when I was being taught to pray by my spiritual director, the 62-year-old nun, I had to pray for an hour every day, which just uh, me, Mark Cowpersmith, being still for one hour every day, 
good Lord. It was impossible. And I came to her after the first couple of I remember coming to her and I was so frustrated. She said, how did your prayer go? I said, it was awful. It was awful. It was torturous. There really was me being still trying to come into God's presence. I mean, give me a break. I'm a type A driven lunatic, fun consumed animal. You know, being still does not work for me. So I'm complaining. And she said, well, what happened? I said, it took me 55 minutes to come into God's presence. And she said, how long did it last when you were in God's presence? I said, maybe three minutes. And she looked at me and she said, you had three minutes with God? And I said, yeah. She said, you had a full three minutes with God? I said, yeah. She said, oh, that's fantastic. I had three minutes with God. Him and me, like this. Oh, yeah. Told me the secrets of the universe, too. Oh, yeah. You see, here's the deal. I thought it was all supposed to be Bliss City for for an hour of just, oh, yeah, here I am, God's little baby, cuddling me. I didn't realize you got to fight to get there. And when you're there, it may not last that long. But let me ask you a question. If you had one minute like that, one minute of connectedness with God every day, how do you think that would affect your life? We don't measure his effect in how long it was, but how deep it was. Listen. It's like those fighter planes that fly. They they got these fighter planes, but they can't fly that far. They need fuel. So they got these big, huge tankers that fly around the world and they're full of fuel. And they have this little probe that comes down and the jet's got to come up. He's got to get there perfect under that. The mothership, he's just got to line it up. It's really, really hard to do. And then a guy's got a little gun with a little lever like a video game and he drops the probe into the basket. It's really hard to do. As soon as he gets that probe in the basket, it hooks up. And the minute it hooks up, that mothership starts pumping at the highest pressure it can, shoving fuel into that little fighter because they know they're not going to be hooked up for very long. Hello? Anybody getting the analogy? They can fill that fighter's tanks in a matter of a minute. Wham! They just shove that fuel in there and off he goes. One minute in connectedness with God is worth 55 minutes of fighting because you can't measure the effect in duration. It's depth, not duration. Do you understand? It's depth. And he can put so much love into you for the day. He can fire you up and fuel you. He can change the way you think. He can affect your attitudes. He can physically heal you. In ten seconds, one minute with God is worth anything to get there. That's pathetic. I need an amen here. Come on. Hallelujah. Somebody preach it for God's sakes. Bring it. You got that? It's not how long it lasted. It's how deep it went inside of you. He's worth pursuing people. He's worth pursuing if it's one minute. He's worth pursuing for five minutes. I'm going to tell you this. I got the time. I gave a prophecy here a couple months ago because this is really timely. The Lord gave me a prophecy for this church. It was this. What you're experiencing corporately in worship here that's so easy to come into the presence of God when it's powerful like it was today, 
like a breakthrough and his presence is all over and you're receiving it and it's effortless and you're going, yeah, this is fantastic. The Lord says it's nothing but an invitation. It's nothing but an invitation. I want to do in you personally during the week what you experience here. But it's easy when it's corporate because you're riding the wake of everybody else. But you've got to fight to come to me during the week to get through the distractions just to be with me so I can touch you and fill you with my spirit and send you out like that little jet, like that little fighter. Do you understand? This is an invitation. The meal is at home with him. You got that right, sister. You got that right. Sometimes to deal with distractions, you have to speak out loud. Look, you have authority in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You take authority over those distracting thoughts and you say, shut up, get out. Shut up, get out. Apostle Paul says we have authority to take every thought captive that exalts itself against the supremacy of Jesus. People, you don't have to put up with half the thoughts you're thinking. You're full of fear. You're thinking I might be sick. You're thinking I might die. We don't have to put up with that. That thought was from hell. That thought was not from God. Its origin was not in him or in you. It's from hell. So you can rise up and say, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I will not entertain that thought in my mind right now. Get out. Listen, as my friend Matthew put it, you are the air traffic controller Over the landing field of your mind, you get to decide what plane lands and what plane just circles until it runs out of gas and has to leave. You rise up strong and you say, I will not listen to this. I will not entertain this thought in my mind. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command this thought to leave. If it doesn't leave after two or three times of that, here's the guaranteed way to make it go. Start worshiping. Just start worshiping and that thought will be gone. They never stay in the presence of praise. All right, fourth P, and we're almost done, so you can relax. Fourth fourth P is passage. This is where we begin to use Scripture in coming into the presence of God. Now, the one proviso on this that you've got to get is, at this point in your prayer, as you turn to the Word to use the Word in a devotional way with God, do not turn it into Bible study. Am I knocking Bible study? No. You need to study the Bible, and you should study the Bible every day, but this is not the time or the place for studying the Bible. This is not an intellectual exercise with Scripture. This is an encounter with God through Scripture. Do you understand the difference? So here's what you do. You go through the Bible, and you find those passages in the past which have spoken tremendously to your heart and to your mind. For me, there's certain things he said to me through the Bible in love that... I still feed on 30 years after the event. I've got them all listed. I've written them out in, in, in a book. All the passages the Lord has spoken to me personally. Do you understand by spoken? I don't just mean great ideas for sermons later. I mean impact in my heart by virtue of what the Spirit has said to me through the Word. You're with me, right? Okay. Now, you have those. Even if you've been a Christian three weeks, you've got one of them. But if you've been a Christian longer, you have a bunch of them. And if you haven't got a bunch of them, you haven't been reading the Bible with the Spirit. You've been reading it with your head. If you don't have some of those, you've been reading the Bible with your head and not with your heart and your head. So you've got to start opening up to say, this is, guys, it's a love letter. 
Okay? It's a love letter. It's full of it. It's full of love. Find the verses that speak love to you. Have them ready in advance. And after you've become conscious of his presence, turn to that passage and begin to read it slowly. One word at a time. It's almost like uh, being a wine connoisseur. See, cretins, such as myself, take a high-quality wine and go like this. Mar, please. (laughs) But a wine connoisseur takes the wine, checks the bouquet, mm, looks at the color, consistency, lets the bouquet come up again, takes a little bit, Swishes it around on the tongue. There's different areas of the tongue that pick up different flavors. And he picks up the flavors. It's not about, as, it's not about how much you can drink. It's how much you can perceive. It's an experience. It's not about alcohol. It's about subtlety and flavor. You can take the Word of God, that little phrase that He's given you, that couple of words, and you can taste it on your tongue and you can roll it around and you can savor it and you can just let it sink into your spirit and begin to touch your heart, your emotions. Savoring the Word of God. Don't rush. It's not Bible study. Finally, the last P of prayer. Hey, what might the last P be? Don't show them. Don't show them. Don't show them. Don't show them. This is a trick question. What might the last P of prayer be? No, prayer. The last P of prayer is prayer. Now listen, this is important. In this kind of prayer, and I'm not saying there aren't other kinds of prayer. There's petitionary prayer, intercessory prayer, prayers of praise, prayers of thanksgiving. There's a lot of different forms of prayer. But in this form of prayer, the final P is what you say to him after you've encountered what he's said to you. In other words, prayer in this place is a response. It's not initiatory, it's responding. It's saying, God, in view of what you've said to me, here's what I want to say back to you. And I find for me, it's just like really simple. It doesn't get very flowery. It's stuff like, yeah. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> or here's, here's a deep one from Mark. I know. <laughs> I say that a lot. He says, he says, I love you. And I go, I know. I thank you, thank you. Here's another one, always. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I get a little carried away with that, and it gets kind of redundant. So I do it quietly. If Pete, my dog, heard it, or my wife, she'd think I was crazy. But a lot of the times it's just, thank you, thank you, thank you, God. And I, I throw in God because it helps. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because how can I not say that when I just got toasted by His love? How can I not say that when I see how good He is? I know it's simple. Who cares? It's the truth. It's a heart response to what He's saying to me. I'll tell you something. Oh, man. 
I asked my spiritual director, 62-year-old celibate nun, if she ever got tempted in her younger years, you know, like sexually, being as she's celibate. I had to ask. Look, you're alone with the nun. You've got to find out, right? <laughs> so, so, so I said, how do you handle it? I mean, I mean I said, like, like you're celibate and everything. Like, don't you find men attractive? And she said, I've fallen in love with every priest and spiritual director that I've had in my life. And I said, how do you keep it from turning into something dirty? How do you keep it from turning into lust? This is what she taught me. She said, Mark, I just look at that person as God's creation. And I look at him and I say, God, you do good work. You do amazing work. She said, I turn it into praise. That's responding, you see. It does. I've seen some beautiful women where I got to do a double take. Sorry, Shell, but I do do a double take. Uh uh. Now, I got two choices at that point. I can turn it into something bad or I can turn it into praise. I usually say, you do good work. I do. I say, God, you do good work. And the minute I hook up with him and we start talking about that, it's taken out of the realm of perversity and brought into the realm of praise. It's a response to what he's done. Sometimes I'm just so knocked out by the beauty in my backyard. I just got to say, God, you do good work. And he says, I let you arrange it. I know, but you made all the flowers. I let you arrange it. You do good work too. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Prayer is our response to the goodness and the encounter we've had with him. Finally, pause. This should be the sixth P. Pause in your prayer time whenever one of these things happens. You feel a new way of being with Jesus. Maybe he comes to you in a new way. Maybe he comes as healer. Maybe you discover him as friend for the first time or master or servant. Lion of the tribe of Judah, etc. Maybe, or always, guys, always, always, always pause when you sense God's love. The minute you sense his love, stop and savor it and roll it around on your tongue and just let it sink into you. Pause when you feel joyous or thankful. Pause when you feel peace. Pause when you feel compelled to do something good. Don't stop the prayer time, but let God reveal his desires for you. Pause when you feel content just to be in his presence. And savor that moment. Pause when what you read disturbs you and you don't understand it and you're puzzled. Ask him, what are you saying to me, Lord? Don't rush. And let your prayer to him come out of his love for you. Okay? Let's end this way. Let's everybody stand. I just want to pray over you and bless you and we're done. Don't have to stand. You can sit if you want. Just open your hands. Put your hands in front of you like you're about to receive a gift. Close your eyes. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, I release now a passion for God. 
I release now a work of the Holy Spirit, some of the love that the Spirit has for Jesus, some of the love that the Spirit has for the Father. I pray be stirred up in you right now. Increased passion for God. Increased hunger and desire to be with Him. Come, Holy Spirit, fire up our hearts, Lord. Fire up our hearts with a passion to be with you. Holy Spirit, I pray now you impart a plan from passion to plan, Lord, that we begin to think, okay, this is how I can be with the Lord. Holy Spirit, speak a plan to each person here. This is the time I can carve out. This is when I can be with him. God, I pray right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, a purpose be imparted to you. The purpose is his presence. The Lord is saying prophetically right now, my purpose is my presence and my presence is my purpose for you. That's what you're to come for. That's the longing of your heart. That's the goal. Now, Lord, I pray a power. I pray a power of your Holy Spirit. Come on these people to rebuke negative thoughts, to deal with distractions, to follow through on the plan, to persevere in finding you, Lord. Let your power fall on each person here, Lord. And then, Lord, your presence. God, let your presence be known. Reveal yourself, Lord Jesus. Reveal yourself, Lord, to each one here. Draw us into intimacy, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, let praise be the result. Spontaneous, effusive, overwhelming, passionate, real, sincere praise. God, thank you. Let it come, Lord. Let your spirit touch them now. Fill them, Lord. Fill them up. Give them everything they need for this, Lord Jesus. Go deep, Lord. In the moment, go deep. It's only a moment, but it's with you. Go deep. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. All right, let's go live it.